Hello and welcome to What The Heck, a show that looks at mysteries and the unexplained. Every week we look at something unexplained, telling a story or describing it, and then look at the theory surrounding it. I'm your host Glenn, and I can't give you the answers to these unexplained things, because I don't know what they are. I'm just here to give you the information to decide for yourself. All research is done as academically as I can, and references are given at the end of the episode. This week's episode is a true crime episode. We're looking at the death of Danny Casolaro. Danny Casolaro was born in 1947 in McLean, Virginia. After attending Providence College, he married Terrell Pace, who was a former Miss Virginia. They had a son together before divorcing after 10 years. Danny ended up with custody of his son. He was a journalist for a while, looking into the Soviet presence in Cuba, the Castro Intelligence Network, and even the Chinese opium smugglers in the US. He even published a novel called The Ice King. Danny stopped his journalism towards the end of the 1970s to buy computer trade publications that he would later sell. In 1990, he took up journalism again to look at something called the Inslaw case. He'd been made aware of the case through his contacts in IT. Inslaw was founded as the Institute for Law and Social Research and owned a software program called Promise, or Prosecutors Management Information System. The owner of the company, former national security agent William Hamilton, had developed the software for the US federal government's Department of Justice. More specifically, it was designed for use by US attorneys or federal prosecutors. It was a case management software used to collate and access files. Now, William Hamilton and his wife Nancy had a three-year contract with the Department of Justice. After one year of the contractually obligated payments, the Department of Justice stopped paying. William and Nancy also found that their software was being used in other countries and they hadn't given any permission for that to happen. This meant only one thing. The promised software had been sold illegally by the US government no less. It wasn't sold in its original form, but ended up in Canada and Australia among other places. A man named Michael Reconosciuto contacted the Hamiltons and made an admission. He had been the one to modify the promised software so it could be sold off. He'd added a backdoor to the program that was password protected. Anyone with the right password could unlock the whole program and read all of the files and information stored within. Danny Casolaro comes into this story in 1990 when he's investigating the case. People said that they were his best friend because of the way that he treated them. So it came as a surprise when a housekeeper in Martinsburg, West Virginia, opened room 517 at the Sheraton Hotel and discovered a body in the bathtub. The police arrived on the scene to investigate. Inside the room, they found a suicide note and a razor blade in the bathtub. The body was Danny Casolaro, and his wrists had been cut 12 times. Eight on one wrist, four on the other. One of them was so deep that it had severed a tendon. Danny was taken to a local funeral home that afternoon 
But according to some journalists, Danny's family weren't notified for two days. One said, from the moment we heard about his reported suicide, we doubted it, questioned it, wondered about it. It was not his nature to kill himself. So we were suspicious from the first, and the deeper we dug into it, the more suspicious we became. Danny's friends had reason to believe something strange had happened. He had been talking to them for a while about something big. Just a few days before he was found, he had told them he was on the verge of breaking a huge story. He'd claimed that he had proof that there was corruption in the US Justice Department. People who had been working with Danny on this story believed that the truth behind his death started after he interviewed William and Nancy Hamilton about the promised software and the company Inslaw. The interview had opened a door to a place that people didn't think Danny belonged in. It turned out that Danny Castellaro thought he had uncovered something big. He believed that there was an underground crime network called The Octopus involved in the selling of the promised software. He had believed that it was made up of US officials, organised crime members and intelligence agents. It was believed that he got in over his health though, with journalist John Connolly saying that he had stepped into a world that he didn't belong in. Connolly believed that the people that Danny was getting involved with were liars, cheaters and people who were involved in huge crimes like arms dealing, drug dealing and even murder. Danny believed that he was able to navigate the underground organisation, which Connolly described as a labyrinth. Danny's brother came forward and revealed that a week before Danny's death, he had been told that Danny was receiving death threats. He had gone to Martinsburg with every note he had made, arriving two days before he died. He had scheduled meetings with several informants so that he could complete his investigation. Danny believed that one of these informants would have key evidence about how the octopus worked financially. Michael Riconosciuto said that Danny had a source inside the IRS computer data center who was able to give Danny some printouts of information related to Danny's specific targets. The day after arriving in Martinsburg, Danny met William Turner, who was formerly an employee of a defense contractor. Turner gave Danny papers that Danny believed proved the corruption that he had tied to the octopus. Within 24 hours, Danny was dead. The papers that Danny had brought with him, as well as the ones that Turner had given him, weren't found at the scene of the death and haven't been found to this day. West Virginia authorities opened a formal investigation, ordering an autopsy. Danny's brother, Anthony, said later that he received some shocking news from the order. Danny's body had already been embalmed. Anthony hadn't given any permission for this and it would make the autopsy more difficult. The medical examiner was forced to perform the autopsy anyway though. It confirmed that Danny had bled to death from the razor cuts. It also described bruises on Danny's arms and head that hadn't been accounted for and that three of Danny's fingernails were missing from one hand. The early report said that there had been no sign of a struggle, and Anthony said that this information revealed that Danny hadn't been alone in his last moments. The hotel room that Danny was found in was cleaned professionally the day after his discovery, destroying crucial evidence. 
One of the housekeepers had been there during the initial police investigation and spotted two bloody towels. They said that it looked like the towels had been used to wipe blood from the floor. Connolly questioned how the scene was handled, saying that the reports weren't professional. He explained that fingerprints got lost or damaged and the bathtub was drained without the police straining for evidence. Connolly believed that the police covered up their sloppy work. Elliot Richardson, who had been involved in the Congress hearing involving the promised software and Richard Nixon's Attorney General until the Watergate scandal, believed that the evidence indicated foul play. He said that there was enough evidence that Danny was murdered to have a more intensive investigation. Richardson said that what he knew about the death made him believe that murder was more likely than suicide. The funeral was just as mysterious. Near the end of the service, a highly decorated military officer arrived in a limousine. Nobody recognised the man. He placed a medal on Danny's coffin before it was lowered into the ground. One of Danny's friends said that everyone went back to Danny's mother's house. She asked Danny's mother who the military man was, and his mother had thought that the friend knew. They proceeded to ask everyone there if they knew, and not one of them did. The investigation ended shortly after the funeral. Many of Danny's family and friends are still convinced that he didn't commit suicide. But the story continues. In 2001, a writer named Ken Thomas co-wrote with Jim Keith on disinformation in an article called Casalaro's Octopus. The article suggested that Danny's main concern for his investigation was the octopus's involvement in putting Reagan in power, the infamous October Surprise, a news event that may have influenced the 1980 presidential election, and the role that these played in the selling of the promised software to other countries. The article revealed that he had looked into Earl Bryan, who had helped to arrange dealings between Iran and the Reagan campaign. The reason for this was to broker a secret deal to prevent US hostages from being released before the 1980 election, which would prevent Jimmy Carter from making a similar deal and winning the election. Reagan won the election and Iran released the hostages on the day of Reagan's inauguration. Earl Bryan had been given promise to sell illegally as a reward for his help in the hostage deal, according to Ken Thomas. Brian apparently took the software and sold it to intelligence and law enforcement agencies around the world. Thomas stated that there was a way to have the software allow people to see other databases in the software. This meant that it had appeal as a tool used for covert investigations into criminals or political dissidents. The octopus encompasses all of these situations and is described as a sea of covert operatives, super surveillance software and transnational spies consisting of a group of US intelligence veterans that had banded together to manipulate world events for the sake of making more power for itself. The problem we have here though is that this puts the octopus in conspiracy territory. There isn't much evidence of it anywhere except for the lost notes of Danny Casalaro. So, did the octopus have anything to do with his death? Or did something else happen?
Danny Casolaro was well liked and deep into investigation before he was found dead in a hotel bathtub. Could a secret organisation have been behind it? While this story ventures into conspiracy a little bit, there are actually a few theories to it. Two are probably easy to guess, but the third is a little less out there than you may think. We'll start with the obvious. The first theory today is that Danny Castellaro was murdered. The speed with which the scene of his death was cleaned and the haste to embalm his body seem to point to this. The police investigation surrounding the death also seems to point to a murder. There are no suspects because evidence is scarce. If it was a murder, we know that some of the evidence was lost due to the way the initial investigation was conducted. That makes it difficult to say that this is the truth. However, the missing documents seem to be a deciding factor here. It's thought that they're stolen, which would mean that someone had to be in the room with Danny shortly before he died. But what if someone wasn't in the room? What if Danny got rid of his own notes? We know that he was due to meet with someone who would shed some light on his theories. It's possible that the light this informant shed wasn't the kind of light that Danny needed. Spending so much time investigating something only to find out that it was a false lead would be soul-crushing. The second theory today is that Danny Casolaro did in fact commit suicide. This theory relies on Danny's final informant giving him evidence that the octopus wasn't real at all. Danny, incredibly upset by this information, may have destroyed his own notes and made some dark choices, leading to his death. Both of these theories hinge directly on the missing notes. Without them, we can't really say for sure which theory is true. But these aren't the only choices. There's a third. This theory revolves around a novel called Foucault's Pendulum. A man named Winefield, a retired national security agent officer, doubted Danny's octopus theory. He had always told Danny he was sceptical of it. According to Winefield, Danny had tossed about the idea of fictionalising the story of the octopus. Winefield was worried about Danny getting into trouble by doing so and urged him to read Foucault's Pendulum by Umberto Eco. In the book, protagonists create a conspiracy, but there are people who take it very seriously. These people end up killing the protagonists. Winefield believed that Danny would end up in a similar situation by creating a conspiracy where there wasn't one. This is something that could have led to Danny's death. It's possible that one of the people he spoke to about it took the whole thing seriously enough to decide that talking about it is so dangerous that it was worth silencing the mouthpiece of it. It's all pure speculation on this one though, and it feeds into the conspiracy, I think. Whatever the truth is, Danny Castellaro spent a lot of time being good to people. His death is still shrouded in mystery and all of his notes are missing. Finding them would shed some light onto this mystery, but that's likely impossible now. The information from this episode came from Wikipedia 
a medium article and an unsolved article. The theories from this episode came from the previous articles and a Washington Post article. References and links are posted on social media if you want to take a look. The link tree is available in the episode description so you can go to your preferred social media or listen on your preferred platform. Patreon is still unchanged with a £3 tier if you want to support me but I have nothing to put on there yet. Suggestions, personal stories and corrections can be sent through the email in the episode description too. This week's Creature Feature releases on Saturday and next week's episode releases next Wednesday. So hold on until then. Mm-hmm.